Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will learn what it means for the church to be called to judge the angels, and even more so, the things that pertain to this life. I often hear people say, it's not for me to judge another person, even when they know they are acting sinfully. And they cite the words of Jesus, where he said in Matthew 7, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? But Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels, and how much more things that pertain to this life? So is Paul contradicting Jesus? Well, I don't think so. Jesus was telling us that if we have sin in our lives, we will not see clearly or discern other people's actions. Notice he said in Matthew 7, First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So in other words, once we remove the sin from our lives, we will be in a rightful place to help others remove their sin also. Jesus also said in Matthew 18, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. He never said that we should ignore the sin in our brother's life, especially if he has sinned against us. And as Christians, we are to live to the best of our abilities, a blameless life that avoids sinning, and we are to help others do the same. Now, Paul addresses the issue of sexual sin even more seriously. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now, those are some pretty harsh words. And I don't think that Paul would have said anything like, well, it's not for me to judge another person, especially one in the church living a sexually immoral life. No, I think Paul would have gone to that person in love and quoted Jesus saying, Can I help you remove the speck from your eye? Maybe because of the abuse of power, but somehow the church has primarily absolved itself of the God-given responsibility to govern its affairs and the conduct of fellow Christians. And yet Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 19, You who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And we see a shadow, a type of this prophecy in the Old Testament, where we read in Exodus 15, Then they, Israel, came to Elim, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. Now we're going to expound on this in a moment, on the significance of the number seventy. 
Jesus is not only our Lord and Savior, but he is also the supreme judge of all humanity. We read in Acts chapter 10, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And yet Jesus also said in Matthew 20, But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those to whom it is prepared by my Father. In Revelation 3 it says, To him who overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. So while God is sovereign, Jesus is inferring a portion of delegated authority to his church. We see another type with Moses and the seventy elders, that he later gathered before the Lord, as we read in Numbers 11, I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and will put some of it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. Israel's judges and court system were later formalized in the Sanhedrin, the council, or the Sanhedrin Hagadol, which is the great council and it consisted of 70 judges following the 70 elders, plus one additional judge representing Moses. The antitype of this court system is fulfilled in Christ and his church, as we read in Luke 10, after these things the Lord appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. The sages tell us that 70 is a unique number that correlates with leadership, and they explain that the natural order, the creation, is represented by the number 7. Now 10 is also a complete number because we begin counting again with 1 after 10. 10 plus 1 is 11. So therefore, 7 times 10 represents the completion of the natural order. And in Christ, the natural order is complete, and we who are in Christ are completed in Him. So it is logical that Christ would have appointed 70 leaders to represent him and share the gospel. The idea that all humanity was to set up righteous courts is believed by the rabbis to be God-ordained. And per the covenant that God made with Noah, called the Noahide Covenant, and during the Talmudic period, around 200 to 600 BC, the sages derived seven universal laws of morality. These include the positive injunction to establish just laws and courts, prohibition of blasphemy against the one God of the universe, prohibition of idolatry, prohibitions of grave sexual immorality, prohibition of murder, prohibition of theft, and prohibition against animal cruelty. There are similarities to these Noahide laws listed in the letter of the Jewish council sent to the Gentile community. In Acts 15, we read, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. Now, the point here is that the church is not without any law, and such laws are explicitly called out by the Apostle Paul to be enforced by Christian judges appointed within the church, just as we just read the Lord appointed judges over Israel to enforce his law. And as Israel is a type for the church, we also are to do the same. Now, to be clear, I'm not suggesting the church adopt the papal and religious hierarchy of the Catholic Church. Sadly, that system has been corrupted. But I am inferring that from Scripture, Christians have a God-given responsibility to establish proper governance. 
And we will be individually judged by the Lord for how we have used the delegated authority that Christ has given us. We read in Matthew 25, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Jesus referred to the system of delegated authority in speaking with the leaders of Israel in John 10 when he said, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? Now he was not saying that Jews are gods. He was affirming the delegated ruling and judging authority that God has given to the leaders of Israel. And Jesus was quoting the Psalms, which reads in part, I said, you are gods, Elohim, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. While Elohim is often translated as God, in Hebrew it also means judge. And Jesus also told his disciples to honor the leaders of Israel. In Matthew 23, he said, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, a seat of authority. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. Honoring the God-given seat of authority does not absolve that person from being held accountable by the Lord for abusing power that he has given them. The Apostle James said in chapter 3, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Jesus is returning sooner than anyone realizes. He said in Revelation 22, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. We are called to labor until then, and I believe we are also being tested. As we read in Matthew 25, it says, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. Salvation is a gift from God, but to serve Christ and to follow him is a calling. We read in Mark 3, it says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Matthew 22, Jesus said, For many are called, but few are chosen. To be selected as a judge for Israel's high court, the Sanhedrin, a person was required to have seven attributes that included wisdom, humility, the awe of heaven, a loathing for money, a love for truth, love for the people, and a good reputation. And many of these same qualities are in the New Testament for those who desire to be overseers of God's church. They are to be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well and has a good testimony. When the Lord returns, he will establish his eternal court in Jerusalem. As we read in Daniel 9, I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. And these thrones are set apart for the church. First Peter chapter 2, we read, It is a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so indeed, for those of us who have been tested, refined, and qualified by the Lord, 
We will judge angels, and even more so, we will judge the things that pertain to this world. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.